I'm Chad Robertson. I want to welcome you to Awaken to Grace today as we come into chapter 6 of our study of the book of Hebrews called An Anchor for the Soul. Well, chapter 6 is one of the most riveting chapters of the entire Bible. And today we're going to be examining, we're going to be studying verses 1 to 3. We're going to learn what it means to leave the foundations of the faith and as the author writes, how to press on to spiritual maturity. The burden of the book of Hebrews is to lead us into spiritual maturity. Friends, I'm so glad that you're listening today. If you've missed any portion of our study through the book of Hebrews, then you can download my free mobile app. Simply search Awakened to Grace. And when you download my app, friends, you've got free access. You literally have thousands of sermons and life-changing content right at your fingertips. It's all free. It's all accessible. It's all available to help you grow and to help your faith deepen and mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's get to it today. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 in this edition of Awakened to Grace. Hebrews chapter 6. Now, I have looked forward to Hebrews chapter 6 ever since we committed to preach through the entire book. I believe that chapter 6 is one of the greatest interpretive challenges in all of the Bible. Chapter 6 is immensely complex. I want you to understand this as a foundation principle in our study of the book of Hebrews. The entire point of the book is to show that Christ is superior to that of Judaism. If you miss that point, you are certain to error in your interpretation of the book. If you don't understand that the letter was written to a Hebrew audience, then you are going to misinterpret very key challenges of the book. And we're going to see that this morning. We're only going to be in verses 1, 2, and 3. But if you do not see from the perspective that this is written to Hebrews at a critical time, at a transition time, you're not going to properly interpret these verses. Now, do they speak to our culture? Absolutely. Do they speak to our day? Absolutely. And I'm going to show you how. But you're going to miss it if you don't understand. The entire purpose is that Christ is better. He's better than anything that Judaism has to offer or religion at all for that matter. So in knowing that, let's look at verse 1 together and let's understand these challenges. Number 1, verse 1, therefore, there's our big transition word. The author loves the word therefore. Remember, it transitions thoughts. So two weeks ago in our last session in Hebrews, we talked about spiritual capacities. We talked about spiritual senses. 
We talked about how the writer said, by this time, you should be teachers, but you're still in need of someone to teach you. You need the basic oracles, the principles of the oracles of God's word. You need milk, the indictment was, not solid food. And so what he is teaching, where he's leading, is you should grow up in your faith and you should transition from the sincere milk of the word to the meat of the word, to the solid food of the word. And how do you know you're maturing in your faith? How do you know you're going from a baby believer to a grown-up believer? How do you know you're going from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word? Your senses begin to develop. Babies have senses. They just don't know how to use them. Baby Christians have your spiritual senses. You just don't know how to use them. But as you mature in your faith, your senses develop, your spiritual capacities develop, and then all of a sudden you can discern, verse 14 of chapter 5, what is good and what is evil. And why is that so important? Because remember, spiritual maturity is not analytical. Spiritual maturity is not academic. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how many years you've been a Christian or how much of the Bible you have memorized or how much you can explain or know. That is not spiritual maturity. Maturity comes when you can sense what is good and what is evil, what pleases God and what doesn't please God. You can take someone who never misses a church service and yet they live in an adulterous affair. Are they spiritually mature? You can take someone who goes to Bible college and can explain anything out of the scriptures to you, but they don't live the will of God. Are they spiritually mature? You can take someone who goes to Bible study and they believe in small groups and yet they gossip and slander and backbite. You can take someone who does devotions every day, but they're a deceptive person. They lie with ease. Are they spiritually mature? No. Maturity comes... As your senses develop. Now, with all that understood, verses 11 to 14 of chapter 5, when we come to chapter 6, now the author says, Therefore, oh, oh, he's saying, based on everything that I just said, here's my conclusion. What's his conclusion? Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Now, does that not make you scratch your head? What does he mean? First of all, I want you to note the pronoun us. As I've shared with you, it's my conviction that the apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. You would be welcome to argue that with me, but I'm pretty firm in what I think there. Not a hill to die on, but I believe it was Paul. You're free to disagree because we don't know it's just my hunch. 
But whoever it is, whether it's Paul, whether it's Barnabas, whether it's, uh, it could be Priscilla and Aquila, uh, there's a number of people that it could have been. And it's fun to think about that. But I believe it was Paul. Whoever the author is, I, I, I want you to remember, remember in chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, he indicts them by saying, you're dull of hearing. But he doesn't say they're hopeless. He does not say that we are hopeless. What I love is that the author does not point a finger and he does not scold us. You know what he does? He leads us. And he says, come on, follow me. Let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Isn't that so good? You know, that's what a good leader does. A good leader don't point the finger. A good leader says, come on, follow me. And that's what this author does by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Therefore, let us, I love that little pronoun there. <clears throat> I love that he groups himself with us. Leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. What's he saying? Well, what he's saying in essence, he's saying the ABCs of the faith. You know, my girls right now are 12 and 10. My oldest, Piper, just went into middle school. And my boys are six and four. And Friday, before they went to school, Hudson, my six-year-old, who is in first grade, was on the couch with me, just snuggled up. And I said... Hudson, do you, do you like first grade? He said, I love it. I said, what do you like about first grade? Recess. Eh, I get that. <laughs> but what do you like about school? I love math, Dad. And he starts telling me all this. And he can, he's starting to you know, do a little math here and there. And just, it's elementary. It's basic. My little four-year-old, John Mark, he learned H on Friday. All weekend, he's been going, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Elementary. Now, if Piper, my 12-year-old, ran around the house going, ha, ha, H, ha, I would say, what are you doing? <laughs> they see, it's cute for my little four-year-old, right? Because it's basic. It's elementary. You know, we were talking this morning. We, we had a wonderful deacons meeting this morning, and some of the brothers were sharing about different church experiences that they grew up in. And, 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 and we, we were talking, you know, many of you have had this church experience before that, you know, many of us were raised in environments where every Sunday morning was a salvation message. Every Sunday. Every Sunday was an altar call and a salvation message. And in one sense, you know, I don't want to just throw a stone at that because in one sense that is very important. We proclaim salvation. But brothers and sisters, it's not the only thing that we preach. Amen. Let us go on to maturity. Amen. 
Let us leave the ABCs. Yes, salvation, we should always be in awe of it. We should always be amazed at it. We should always tremble at it. We should always be thankful for it. But don't just stay there. Salvation's just the beginning. It's not the ending. And so many churches get froze there. And if you were raised in an environment similar to mine, that's why there's very little discipleship. There's very little spiritual maturity. There's not even a lot of conversation around spiritual maturity. Why? Because it's all salvation. And while there's a deep element to that, what did Paul say? Colossians 1.28. Warning everyone, that's the gospel message, that's the salvation message, that's the altar calls, that's the proclaiming repentance, that's being born again, that is that. But not just warning everyone, teaching everyone. That's discipleship. And churches should not choose, well, we're either going to be all evangelism or we're going to be all discipleship. It's not one over the other. It's both intertwined. And do you know what happens when you intertwine, when you combine them? You know what happens when you put evangelism with discipleship? Verse 28, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Spiritual maturity happens. Isn't that fantastic? So let's leave the ABCs of the doctrine of Christ. Let's move beyond salvation. If you are someone that the, if I had a private conversation to you and I said, take me to your favorite places in the word of God. And you could only take me to John 3.16. Or you could only take me to the Romans road. Listen, brothers and sisters, I'm not belittling it. I'm echoing what the author of Hebrews is saying. Grow beyond it. Don't stay there. Don't stay in infancy. Infancy's good. You know, the only way you can come into the world is to buy a baby. It's not wrong to be a spiritual baby. It's wrong to stay in spiritual infancy. When the gospel tells us, grow up into Christ. Amen? Amen. Am I making sense to anyone? So yes, our goal at Preaching Christ Church is to preach the gospel. That's repentance. That's the kingdom of God. That's being born again. That's forsaking sin. That matters. But we don't preach that every single Sunday. Why? Because we also disciple. We leave the elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ. Not that we neglect them. But that we grow beyond them. And we continue to mature in the Lord. Now, after you leave those elementary, those ABCs, doctrine of Christ, what's the next step? You go on. You go on to spiritual maturity. Now, verse 3, and and, and let me link this because I'm going to do a little teaching in between, but I want you to understand this. There is a parenthesis here. You could read it like this. 
You could say, go on to maturity, and then verse three, this we will do if God permits. But see, there's a parenthesis right here that I want us to understand. So let's break this down. How do we do it? How do we go on to maturity? Okay, now look what he says. Do not lay again, note that word again, a foundation. Now let's stop right there. What foundation is he speaking of? Most sermons that I've ever heard preached on this preach that this is the foundation of Christianity. Let me give you my humble two cents on it. Not everyone would agree with me, and that's fine. I don't ask anyone to agree with me. But uh, let me tell you my perspective on these texts. This is not the foundation of Christianity. It is the foundation of Judaism. Now, if you are a note taker, I want you to create two columns in your notes. I want you to have an Old Testament column, and I want you to have a New Testament column, an Old Covenant and a New Covenant, a Judaism and a Christianity, okay? The Mosaic Law and Christ. These are the parallels. Now, in that column, in those two columns, this is what I want you to note, and this is going to help you interpret these scriptures correctly. Under the old covenant, under Judaism, I want you to write this all-important word that we learn in Hebrews chapter 8. We'll be there in many weeks. Shadows. Shadows. So in a minute, when we talk about repentance of dead works, when we talk about faith toward God, when we talk about laying on of hands, and we talk about baptisms, and we talk about eternal judgment, we talk about resurrection of the dead, I want you to understand old covenant shadows. Now to the right in your column, under Christ, under Christianity, under new covenant, I want you to write the reality. The substance. We're talking about old covenant Judaism. They were types. They were shadows. They pointed to the reality, the substance, which was Jesus Christ. That's why verse 1 of chapter 1 of Hebrews says, Long ago, in many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he is speaking to us through his son. Shadows, reality. So let me break them down. Number one, well, no, I'm ahead of myself. Understand first the foundation. Why does the Holy Spirit say a foundation? Don't lay again a foundation. Well, think about it. A foundation is one of the most important pieces of the entire structure, right or wrong. You know, the property that we have on Fort Henry the, when, when you get into these commercial projects, which I had never done, anything we've ever done has been existing, already an existing building. So, you know, you have an appraisal, you have an inspection, and, you know, you go through the loan process, you have an attorney, and, you know, you have those steps. But all the world I am learning that I never knew existed. Phrases like due diligence. 
Phrases like geo, I think it's called geotechnical reports. Ge- yeah, highly expensive, uh, just price tag, yeah. Very expensive stuff. I didn't know that when we bought that property, before we executed the sale, do you have any idea how much due diligence had to be done on that property? For one primary reason, the foundation. We had to have soil samples, yawn. (laughs) We had to have core drillings done, double yawn. But do you know why it was so important? What if there are sinkholes? What if it's nothing but rock? And it costs more to excavate than it does to even build. There were so many factors. There were environmental studies, triple yawn. (laughs) But what if the government said, oh, you can't build right there. And your footprint got way smaller. There were so many little tripwires that we had to carefully navigate just in order to know the foundation would be right. And the Holy Spirit, I want you to hear me right now. The Holy Spirit calls Judaism a foundation. Not Christianity. Judaism. This is the Holy Spirit's stamp of approval on the old covenant Judaism. Why? Because what does a foundation do? Now say amen if you're with me right now. A good foundation supports a strong structure. Once the foundation is laid, when you put the first floor in, the foundation disappears. It's no longer needed to the visible eye. What does it do? It supports the structure. What the Holy Spirit is telling us is Christianity rests on the firm foundation of what was Judaism. What happens when you build the structure? The foundation disappears. This is what he's telling us. So when you read this list, and there are six things, and now let's go through them together. See, I told you I would hurry. Aren't I doing good? Yeah, I think so. Six things, okay? They are paired in twos. So three groups of pairs here. These are not foundations of the church. These are foundations of Judaism. Now, remember what the instruction is. Don't lay again. The foundation's already well laid. God did an amazing job. Don't go back to it. Build upon it. Now, what is the key principle? Shadows versus realities. Shadows versus substance. So what's the first shadow? Repentance of dead works. 
Now see, the shadow of the old covenant was that what repentance was is to bring your animal to the priest and the priest would slaughter the animal and that animal's blood would temporarily cover, atone for sin. It would atone. Now, Hebrews 9, verses 13 and 14 teach us this principle. It was only an outward cleansing. The word dead works here in the original Greek, only two places in the entire scriptures. It is here in our text right now in verse 1, and it is in Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. The only two places this is. And what it symbolizes is trying to repent to a holy God based upon animal sacrifices to which now, because Christ, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed, the scriptures now call it dead works. If that's the shadow, then what's the reality? The reality is now we repent from our conscience. And what does the blood of Christ do according to Hebrews 9 and 10? The blood of Christ purifies. The blood of Christ cleanses the conscience. It cleanses without. It cleanses within. Amen? We don't repent of dead works any longer. We repent of sin being cleansed into a pure conscience. The shadow was dead works. The reality is now we are born again. What happens when someone repents? It's not a ritual. It's not a ceremony. The day of atonement was a ritual, old covenant. Now we are transformed. Old things have passed away. Everything's become new. Why? We're made a new creation in Christ. Amen? What a reality. What a substance. Number two, faith toward God. Now, these two go together. Repentance and faith go together. But what was the old covenant faith toward God? Well, in simple terms, it was a nationalistic faith. Pagans worshipped everything. Israel worshipped the one true God. But it was a nationalistic faith. It was not necessarily a personal faith. It was nationalistic. Now you do not gain access to the Father by becoming a Jew or by becoming following the religion of Judaism. That's not how you gain access to God. How do you get access to God? Only one way, that is through his son, Jesus. For what did he say? Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Do you see the difference there? The old covenant, the shadow, was simply have faith in Yahweh. Simply have faith in the one true God. What's the reality? No, now we gain access. We come beyond the veil. We come to the holy place. We approach the throne of God now. How? Through the reality. 
through the substance, through Jesus Christ. Do you see how it's a better faith? It's a better covenant? Do you see how Christ is superior? Number three, baptisms. The instruction or the doctrine of baptisms or the better rendering here is not the word baptism, but the word washings. Now, washings and laying on of hands are going to go together. That's the second set of pairs. What is washing symbolizes? The word, the Greek term here is only four times in the entire New Testament. Here and three other places. One of the places is where Christ, remember he told the Pharisees, the outside of the cup is clean. But the inside of the cup is filthy. What did we just reference? Hebrews 9, verses 13 and 14. And what does that instruct? The ceremonial law, the sacrifices of blood and goats, the blood of, go- of, 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 of uh, rather bulls and goats, excuse me, <clears throat> can only cleanse without. But the blood of Christ cleanses within. It's not any longer the washings, the ceremonies, the rituals, the religion. That's the shadow that pointed to Christ. Now what is it? Now it's the baptisms. Did you know Scripture teaches three baptisms? Three. It teaches, number one, baptism of water. Let me say this as pastorally as I can. If you have never followed Jesus in what's called believer's baptism, that's water baptism, that's a baptistry right over here. If you've never been baptized in following Jesus, I'm telling you pastorally, that's your next step onward toward Christian maturity. That is your next step. Our next baptism is in two weeks, September 24th. You need to get on our website and sign up. You need to go to the Welcome Center and sign up. You need to tell one of our pastors, I am going to be baptized on September 24th. I am going to follow Christ in water, believers, baptism. That's your next step in Christian maturity. Number two, the Bible teaches a baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, oh. Hmm. It's all right. We'll do part two next week. We'll we'll just stretch it out a little bit. (laughs) You need to be baptized. Scripture teaches three baptisms, water baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's where the Holy Spirit permeates all of you. That's where he so influences your thinking, your decisions, your feelings, your emotions. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then there's the baptism of sufferings. When you are baptized by water, 
in believer's baptism and you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, you can handle anything that life throws at you. We'll get into that more next week. Have you followed Jesus fully today? Maybe you're here today and you are a person who you are leaning more on religion. may not be Judaism. But it may be in whatever religion you grew up in. It may be your mama's faith, your grandma's faith. Are you leaning on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ? Or it may be that you are someone who you have genuinely trusted in Jesus for your faith. Praise God for that, for your salvation. But for you, no matter how long ago it was, salvation was the ending. No, friend, it's just the beginning. And, and listen, brother and sister, there's a whole race to run. <laughs> there are rewards to be gained. Oh, there's so much to this kingdom living that is so much more than the ABCs of our faith. I plead with you, move toward maturity. If God permits, seek him, ask him, God, would you permit me to grow in my faith? Would you permit me to transition from the milk to the solid food of your word would you permit my faith to deepen would you permit my faith to strengthen oh God mature me have you visited my online store where you can find books music, sermon series and so much more I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.